answer. Oh, clap your hands, oh ye people. The Psalms also says, sing to the Lord a new song. The psalm says to bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. So we honor the Lord with singing. We honor him with clapping of the hands. We shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. The scripture says to sing a new song. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And so that's why every morning I get here so excited to bless the name of the Lord. I hope today that you have been blessed by the presence of the Spirit, that the Lord is blessing you, that he continues to touch your heart. The songs we sang today were so beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. What was the second song before? What was the song before this one? Somebody can remind me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It was so beautiful. We fall down, we lay our crown at the feet of Jesus. If you have anything that's precious to you, anything that gives you authority, what we are saying in that song is, we are laying it at the feet of Jesus. I know you think you're pretty special. We all do. Our parents all told us we were the only one. Like they showered us with so much attention We assumed we were the only people on planet Earth. That's how loving our parents were. But I'm asking you to take all the love you've been given and now place that at the feet of Jesus. All the gifts you've been given, all the talents you have, all the blessings, all the everything you have and lay it at the feet of Jesus. And we cry, holy, holy, holy. Hallelujah, glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Before I get into the message, before I get into the message, I just want to pray this prayer with you and ask the Lord to bless you. The minister read a, read a scripture where the, the children of Aaron were ta- instructed to say, the Lord bless you. And I want to pray that prayer today. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, to be gracious to you, and to give you peace. I'm going to say it again. The Lord bless you and keep you. Let his countenance to be upon you, to be gracious to you, and give you peace. Take peace, take a seat. I'm so grateful today to be in the house of the Lord with you. I honor the Lord Jesus. His name is worthy of all praises and honor, and I honor him today. I was thinking throughout the week about how um, the hand of the Lord can be on us, can be with us and with us, how his presence is represented by the hand of the Lord. The hand of, I've been thinking about that a lot this week, the hand of the Lord, and that we want his presence with us. And sometimes the scripture represents that as the hand of the Lord. The hand of the Lord is with us. I was thinking about a couple of songs actually that go along with that idea. You remember that song by I think it's um, Minister Marvin Sapp, he says, just know he has his hands on you. He says, he has his hands on you. Right, he has his hands on you. And I was thinking about this idea of the Lord having his hands on you, which means the Lord is in my life. He's mixed into every part of my life. Like, it's not like he just comes in on a Sunday and that's when he has his part in my life. Like, in fact, 
If that were the case, we would be missing out about the best parts of the relationship we have with God. Like, that shouldn't be the time where our relationship is at its best. He has his hands on us when we're at our jobs. He has his hands with us when we are down. He's still with us. He has his hands with us. The other one that, that really brings back the best memories, songs for me bring back memories. And the one song that I, I was thinking about this week, that he's got the whole world in his hands, right? You, you remember singing that when we were younger? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the, he's got the you and me sister and brother in his hands. There's kind of a reassurance that goes with this idea that we are in his hands. There's this beautiful reassurance and it makes you think, for me at least, it makes me think of the times when I was young enough to be, to be lifted by my mom and dad. This is that, that's many years ago now, right? As old and as big as I am, you can barely think of it now, but my, some of my best memories are when I was small enough to be in the hands of my parents because I knew no matter what happened, I was just fine. Like, that was the time I felt the safest, is when I was in my parents' hands. I was young enough to think that they were the, there was nothing, they were indestructible. I was young enough to think that the strength they had was unmatched and unparalleled. But there's comfort in being in the hands of someone else. Somebody who's stronger than you, somebody who knows more than you, somebody who provides for you. So I've been thinking about this idea of being in his hands an awful lot. And I actually gone going back again, I've been going back to it quite a, li- uh, quite a bit, the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter three and four. Um, Exodus chapter three, if you remember, is where Moses gets introduced to the Lord at the burning bush. You remember that? <laughs> And in his introduction, he understands who this, this God is and he starts being introduced to God. And the Lord is saying to Moses in this moment, I've seen your suffering of the children of Israel for 400 years you have been suffering. And I'm hearing you and I'm gonna use you to deliver them out. And he says in, in chapter three and verse eight, he recognizes through the language of the scripture that I'm gonna have to deliver you out of the hands of the enemy. Like the recognition here is that the safety is in the hands of the Lord, but currently you're in somebody else's hands. Like somebody else has control and this hand that has control of you is doing nothing but bring you distress and hurt and harm. But I know that in the hand of the Lord is provision, protection, and power like I don't know what anybody else's hands can do but I do know that the Lord's hands is provision protection and power I need you to get that in your spirit the hand of the Lord is provision protection and power and so he talks to Moses and what's massive what's what's fascinating about chapter 3 and 4 is that this idea of being in someone's hand comes up repeatedly. Chapter three and chapter four talks about being in the hands of Egypt. Verse eight says, chapter three, verse eight says, and I am come down, this is the Lord speaking to Moses, I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. You see that? And to bring them up out of the land onto a good land and a large land. 
Sometimes we find ourselves in the hand of the enemy. <laughs> and he has to deliver us out of that hand back into his powerful and mighty hand. So verse 8, this idea of being in the hand and being in the hand of the enemy starts to be revealed. In verse 19 though, he says, and I am sure, this is what he's saying to Moses, I'm going to deliver you out of the hands of the Egyptians. You've been under, under oppression and under kibosh for 400 years, but I'm going to help you. You're in trouble. You're out of your depths. They're stronger than you. But I'm going to help you out. And this is what he says in verse 19. And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. Two things that are interesting about that scripture. The first thing is the fact that they have to let you go means that you're in somebody else's power and, pow power and grasp. Somebody else has you in their hand and has decided under their own authority that they will not let you go. That's the first thing about that scripture that I thought was interesting. And he says, there's, in order to get you out of that hand, a better and stronger hand has to come along to undo what the first hand is doing. So the first hand has you strong in a tight grip, but then another hand has to come along stronger than the first hand to deliver you out of the hand of the Egyptians. It's a beautiful imagery that the scripture is revealing here that there may be hands that are against you, but there is a strong and mighty hand that is for you. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know if you've ever seen the sport of judo. <laughs> In the sport of judo, uh, what it is is that you use the strength of the opponent against them. What you'll see is two people struggling and you'll see them struggling back and forth and what they're looking for is an opportunity to trip the other person up with their own strength. So if I come at you really strong, I bend with you and use your strength against you. I, I'm trying to unbalance you with your own strength. What's happening with the children of Israel is that they're under the grip of somebody else. And, and the Lord said, I'm going to use a mighty hand to take the strength that you have over the people of Israel and turn it against you. <laughs> this is what mighty hands can do. You see, the Lord could have just destroyed everything, but that's not what he wanted to do. He wanted to deliver them with a mighty hand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And in chapter 3, it's wonderful to see how Moses' relationship with God changes radically from chapter 3 to chapter 4. The same type of language is used in both. But in chapter 3, the Lord is saying what I am going to do with the mighty hand. And Moses is like, yeah, just tell me, give me the details. Who, who are you? Oh, okay, yeah, good. You're the, you're the I am, got it. Okay, um, how are you going to do this? You're going to send a mighty, you're going to be a mighty hand and do it. And Moses is like, yep, cool, great, I'll do it. Chapter 4, though, Moses starts to get a little bit leery about the, the, the whole exercise. Not because he doesn't believe in God, but because he now realizes he has a hand to play in what has to happen. He believes the mighty hand of God, but he believes less that the mighty hand of God is going to use the hands that he has to do the task. You see, what I'm realizing is that we like to think about God in the abstract are far away, but the God at hand where we are involved, we struggle a little bit there. 
the God that is asking us to be part of the solution, that's when we start to have a little bit of a problem. The scripture says in chapter 4, and Moses answered in verse 1, Exodus chapter 4, verse 1, and Moses answered and said, but behold, they will not believe me. Moses is looking at himself and saying, yes, I got that you're the I am. I got that you are the wonderful savior and you're going to do all the things. You're the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. But you're saying to me, I'm going to be the one to do something now. And all of a sudden, his confidence is starting to flee, but not because he doesn't believe God, because he just doesn't believe how God can use him. And when I think about the mighty hand of God, we often think about God in the abstract in the heavens. But God is using individuals just like you and me to do the work. It's in our hands. Look at what he says. And Moses answered and said, but behold, they will not believe me. Remember, he's, he's on board when he thought it was all the Lord. But now when he's been asked to do something, he's struggling. Nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, the Lord hath not appeared unto, unto thee. They will say, you're making this up. Why in the world would we let go of all these enslaved assets when we know good and well it's just you making things up? And God's response to that is a fascinating one because he's not saying, well, I'll speak to them from the heavens. He says this to Moses, and the Lord said unto him, what is that in thine hand? <laughs> See, up until now, the Lord's been speaking to Moses and saying, I'm going to do it with a mighty hand. And for the very first time, he's saying to Moses, what's in your hand? Like up until now, it's been about the mighty hand of the Lord, but now we're getting to the details. And I wonder sometimes if we're thinking, Lord, you do it, and you're walking away from the problem as if you're not supposed to be involved in the solution. Like the Lord is helping and using and empowering you to help somebody else, and you're saying, Lord, I'm praying for them, and you're walking away, not realizing that you're part of the solution too. There's a mighty hand, but Lord is going to be mighty through whose hands? What's in your hand? <laughs> Verse 2, and the Lord said unto him, what is in thine hand? And he said, a rod. Now, Moses would have shown up, he was doing a day job when the Lord showed up in the middle of his, his life. Like his day job was taking care of sheep. That was his, he was a shepherd. He would have been out, he would have been probably out with the sheep all day, protecting them from wilderness, from the, from the elements, from predators. He would have been out and about doing what he does as a shepherd. And for that, you need everyday items. One of those everyday items is a staff, like a shepherd's crook, what you kind of typically think of when somebody's looking after sheep. It's a shepherd's crook, a very practical item. It's almost like I'm a plumber and I have a wrench. It's just an item I've brought along with me for the task at hand. It's like a mechanic. Whatever tasks mechanic does, I have no idea. Whatever things they do, they have a tool set to do that everyday job. And the Lord is saying, what have you got in your hand for your everyday job? He's not asking him, where's your altar? <laughs> He's not asking Moses, like, uh, where are the, you know, some special thing that you've been capturing ready for this moment. He says, what have you got in your hand right now? 
and the thing he has in his hand isn't special or mighty or fantastic or beautiful. It's just what he had for his day job, which was a shepherd. And the thing about it is, the only difference between what was ordinary and what is special is the presence of God. So, so we wonder sometimes, well, Lord, why aren't you doing it? And the Lord is saying, what's in your hand today? What is that ordinary thing that is in your hand that you could be helping with right now? There's a scripture in, in, in uh, the New Testament that talks about, um, you know, your brother's being, has, uh, is hungry. And your brother, instead of you saying to your brother to go ahead and give some from the, whatever you have, you say, blessed be you and be thou full. Like that is the least useful thing you could, like you're calling down blessings from the Lord, knowing you have a kitchen full of food that you can share. What, what is the point of praying God's blessing into that person when you could take what is in your hand and in your kitchen and go bless them with that? That's the practical thing they need. And it's not anything that you would, the thing is, none of this is really what I would describe as miraculous. Yet, it seems ordinary on the surface of it. <laughs> but Moses is right now being set up to take the ordinary and make it extraordinary because the presence of the Lord is here. You say there's nothing really special about me. I grew up in a regular house, I went to a regular school, have regular friends with regular family. <laughs> and Moses, the thing that the Lord is lending from Moses at the moment, remember he was raised in a royal family, and he didn't ask him not one thing about his royal lineage. Didn't ask him about what he learned probably in the great kingdom of Egypt. None of that was important. He wanted to know what was in his hands right now. Like, he could, you, think, you think about this, he could have came to Moses when he had authority and chose not to. He came to Moses with a burning bush, not when he had all the authority he had, but when he had none, because he wanted to use what Moses had in his hand. And I think sometimes we think the thing we need is something special before the Lord is really going to use us. Like, I need to have memorized those five scriptures, then the Lord can use me. And the Lord is saying, what is in your hand now? You're waiting to go to seminary for it to be a move of the Lord in your... And then the Lord is saying, what's in your hand now? I can use what's in your hand right now. You know something that I can find helpful now. And you're waiting for something else to come along, and the Lord is saying, we can use you right now. <laughs> I used to think that um, when I was playing musician, when I was a musician, um, I, in fact, before I was a musician, the person who got me into it, into playing for church, was Minister Elder John Nelson. And he said to me, I, I didn't want to play in church at all, never did. He said to me, um, this is, I'm going to show you this one thing this was, the, this was like Friday or Saturday before the Sunday service. I'd never played an instrument before. I'd been watching my father and my brother play for years, but I'd never played. And he said, I'm about 11 at this point, and he says, I'm going to show you one thing, and this is what you're going to come to church with on Sunday and play. I'm terrified. Like, I'm, I'm an 11-year-old terrified child. And he says, this is what you're going to show me, one thing. 
on Saturday or Friday, and I came to Sunday and could play one thing. I didn't wait till I had all the things I need. I had the one thing that was simple that I could do. Now, I was convinced, in, in hindsight, I realized this wasn't the case, but I thought my sister was laughing at me, Sonia was laughing at me the whole time. I thought, I felt so ridiculous, right? Because it was me, really. I was so embarrassed that I felt ridiculous. But I didn't realize that starting with that thing that was so simple was all that was needed to get me to where I am today. What's in your hand right now? Like, don't wait for it to be something special. Don't wait for that thing to be something magical or miraculous. Whatever's in your hand right now, use it. Because if the Lord is with you, it will be good. Gosh, we're waiting so long and the Lord is saying, I can use what's in your hand now. I knew you were a shepherd when I called you. I can let me use you right now. I know it's simple, but let me use you right now. I'm the one, the Lord is saying, I am with you. And the Lord said unto him, what is in thine hand? <laughs> and he said, a rod, just a simple instrument, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses fled from before it. Like this, this has got nothing to do. Look, he's in the presence of the eternal father. And we find out that Moses is scared of snakes. Like Moses is in front of speaking to a burning bush and the thing that Moses runs from is the thing that was in his hand the whole time. Like we find out now <laughs> that the thing that was most miraculous, the thing that was going to cause Moses the most distress was in his hand all day and probably all week and all last week but now he's afraid because he realizes that the presence of God has been the difference the whole time. <laughs> and the Lord said unto Moses, look at what happens here. Put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. M Moses is being instructed now that the hand of the Lord is going to move his hand to do the work. Do you see that? He the Lord says, let it go. Now pick it back up with your hand. <laughs> I know it's frightening. I know taking that first step is frightening. I know doing that first thing is, is, is frightening. Maybe reading that scripture at church is frightening. Singing your first song out loud is frightening. Being the musician for the first time is frightening. Speaking to somebody about the Christ and his salvation is frightening. But if you reach out your hand, it's going to be okay. You've got to be willing to move though. You've got to be willing to act. You've got to be willing to move according to the way the Spirit is asking you to move. Don't be afraid. That's the resounding repeat of the scripture. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I know it's a snake right now. Pick that up. I know you're frightened. It's the first time you've run. Pick it up. The scripture and the script, the scripture and the Lord is telling us to not be afraid. 
And the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand, this mighty hand that I've been promising, I'm going to put it in your hand, and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. Isn't it amazing that the power of the Lord now, this practical item, this simple item, now has transformed from a rod to a snake, and from a snake back to a rod. And the Lord is saying to you, I can do this with the very simple things you have. Don't worry about what the, the Egyptians are going to say. I'm going to be with you. Thank you, Lord. We have to reach out to those things that are sometimes unfamiliar, frankly, because the Lord has the ability to transform the simple into the amazing. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 6, And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Put now thine hand into thy bosom, into your cloak. I want you to put it right now into your cloak. He's still using, this is the mighty hand of the Lord, but now he's using Moses' hands to represent the thing he wants to do. So he says, put it down into your own shirt, put it down into your chest. And the scripture tells us that when he takes it out, it's leprous. Something has happened. Look, I'm not even gonna, I'm not gonna even front or, 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 or kind of trick you here. Sometimes the places you've got to go are going to be distressing to you. What do I mean by that? When Moses took out his hand, as far as he was concerned, he had a leprous hand. Leprosy in the Bible is the plague of plagues. Like it's the thing everybody was frightened of. It was communicable. It was, it, it basically meant that you would be isolated. It meant you would have to be shunned by the people who loved, once loved you, wouldn't be able to get close to you now. And he's put his hand in and he realizes and he takes it out and it's leprous. And I'm wondering if the Lord was trying to tell Moses something here. This is going to be lonely for you. <laughs> like being in the hand of the Lord and being the thing that the Lord uses sometimes can be lonely and isolating. But I want you to not be afraid about what that means. Because five seconds later he says, put your hand back in and take it back out and I'm going to restore you everything you think you've lost. I'm going to give it back. Don't be afraid about what you lose because I can restore it. Leadership is lonely. Doing the right thing is lonely because it's the path that people don't want to take. It's the path that people want to avoid. It's the path that people want to ignore, but we don't have that option. So here he says, the scripture says, verse seven, and he said, put thine hand into thy bosom again, and he put it into his bosom again, and plucked it out of the bosom, and behold, it was turned again as is his other flesh. Verse 17, let's dive down to verse 17 of chapter four. Verse 17, and thou shalt take this rod in thine hand, wherewith thou shalt do signs. <laughs> he said that simple rod is going to be in your simple hands, and it's going to do amazing things. Like, I'm the one who's doing everything, but it's going to be that simple rod in your simple hands, and it's going to be miraculous. The problem Moses has wasn't in believing that God was miraculous. The problem Moses had in chapter 4 was believing God would do miraculous things through him. He doubted himself. 
But the Lord is saying when I'm in the mix, the simple things become much, become way more when I'm in the mix. Verse 17, let's go down to, let me read that one more time. And thou shalt take this rod, this simple rod, this one that you've been using all week, this one that you've been using to tend sheep, I'm going to have you use that rod. In verse 21 it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all those wonders before in front of Pharaoh, which I have put where? Like all these miraculous things, the ten plagues, I'm going to put them, this thing that I told you that was a mighty hand, I'm going to take out of the hand of Pharaoh, I'm going to come with a mighty hand, all these massive things I'm going to put in thine hand, your hand, your hand. You want to know how people will get to know about Christ? Not because he's going to speak to them from the clouds, not because he's going to speak to them from the lightning and thunder, but because he's going to speak to them through your simple words and your simple experiences. He said, oh, I haven't been through that much. It's enough for him to use you, whether you're a shepherd, a president, a politician, an engineer, it doesn't matter what you're doing, the Lord can take you and use you for his purpose. He didn't need Moses, the prince of Egypt. He needed Moses, the shepherd. He didn't need Moses, the ruler. He needed Moses, the person who was the runaway and the, the person who was the murderer, who would run off and had gone hiding. That's who he needed. Meanwhile, in our heads, we are thinking, Lord, I need to get to the seminary school and I need to get my qualifications down. Then I need to go to a speaking class. And then I need to get my, all my angles together ready. And the Lord is saying, what's in your hand right now? Like, what's it, what have you got today? Let's use that. Don't be ashamed of what's in your hand. Let me just share one more scripture and I'm going to take my seat. Let me take one more scripture. I want you to go to with me to Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 12. It's a story that's repeated in most of the Gospels. Matthew chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. Matthew 12, Matthew 12, 9 through 13. This is a, a talking about the man whose hand was withered. The withered hand. And we've probably heard this. There's this one person in the Bible. We actually never get to find out his name. He's known by his ailment. He's known by his, his, his issue, his problem. And the scripture says that when he was departed, that is, Jesus was departed thence, he went into their synagogue. I thought that was interesting that he said it was their synagogue. And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered, meaning he didn't have complete use of his hand. For whatever reason, he has, maybe it was an accident, maybe it was a birth defect, we don't know. But we do know that he's had this, he has this issue with his hand and he's gone, obviously, strategically to the temple to get help. He can't probably hold down a job because there's not many jobs that you can do one-handed. So he needs necessarily to get help from people who are going into and out of the temple. Maybe they're generously coming to the temple and they see this man and they say, let's give him some help, right? That's his situation. And so Jesus arrived at this temple on the Sabbath day, the day when you're not supposed to do work. <laughs> and the intent of the people around Jesus is to trick him so that if he does some work, then they can attack him. 
They can use the fact that he's working on the Sabbath as an opportunity to, to attack his character. That's their intent. But let's read the scripture. Verse 10 says, And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered, and they asked him, saying, asking Jesus, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days that they might accuse him? Verse 11 says, And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day? Will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? He said, look, simply put, I know this is the Sabbath day, but if you all lost a sheep on the Sabbath day, saw the sheep in distress, you ought to reach out your hand. <laughs> he says, you will not lay a hold on it. You will take your hand, <laughs> lay a hold of it, get it out of whatever distress it's in and save it. And yet your intent is for me to look at this man who needs help and somehow decide not to help him. He says, how much then better than a sheep Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath day. And he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole like as the other. I was fascinated by this, because this man's um, need was in his hand. Right? That was the ailment. That was probably a source of embarrassment and shame. And the Lord says to him, I want you to reach, stretch forth your hand. And the man knows good and well, Jesus isn't talking about his good hand. Like that never occurred to him to put forward the good hand to make everybody think he's okay. And I wonder sometimes if we're ashamed about what's in our hand and we're not stretching forth and the Lord doesn't get a chance to restore us because we are too busy hiding the thing that is, is actually shameful to us. But the Lord is saying, stretch forth your hand. I can do something with the hand that you don't think much of, that you're ashamed of, and that you don't think the Lord can use. But the Lord is saying, stretch forth that hand. <laughs> I know it's not your strong hand. I know the way that the Lord has called you probably wasn't the way you intended it to, but that's what he has done because he can do it with his mighty hand and he can take your weak hand and make it strong. Just like he did for Moses, just like he can do for you, he can take that simple thing, that thing that isn't very helpful, that you need help with, frankly, and he can take that and turn it into something that is strong. <laughs> Let's look at that again. Then he said to the man, strength forth thine hand. He didn't show him the hand that worked. He showed him the hand that didn't work. And I'm wondering sometimes if, if we, the weakness that we think is the weakness is just an opportunity for God to show his strength. You're saying to yourself, maybe I'm not the most eloquent speaker. I struggle with the way I speak. I couldn't hold a tune. <laughs> I can't, don't have a beat. But I'm wondering sometimes if the thing that we think is the weakest part of us is the thing that the Lord can turn into the strongest part of us. Like, don't worry about what people are thinking about you. They should be busy worrying about themselves. <laughs> he's got the whole world in his hand and he's saying, I'm going to use your hand to help the whole world. Isn't that beautiful? 
Like, I have the whole world in my hands, the Lord is saying. But he's saying, I'm going to put the strength in your hands to help that world. He's going to hold me, and I'm going to hold you. He's going to hold you, and you're going to hold somebody else. But that's what the Lord can do. Don't be ashamed of where you are. Don't be ashamed of the ground you think you have to make. He took Moses' simple background. In fact, he took the identity Moses ran into. Moses was an escaped murderer who ran and had a new identity. It's almost like he got set up in a new country with a new identity. And he took that identity and said, I can use this identity. I can use what you're doing right now. Don't be ashamed of where you are. Don't be ashamed of what you may or may not know. I believe the Lord can use you right where you are today. And I'm asking you, stretch out your hand. Don't stretch out the hand that's good. Stretch out the hand you want the Lord to build on and work on and help. Stretch out that hand. I don't care. Look, when he did this, he was in the temple. Everybody was around. Everybody was watching. Everybody saw what hand he was stretching out. And the Lord still should have had a miracle with the hand that was bad, with the hand that was withered. Let him use you. Don't worry about what I'm thinking. I'd like to hopefully believe that you are free to worship anywhere you see fit in this place. Don't worry about what I'm doing. I'm over there worshiping my own self. <laughs> if I just choose to sing and dance, let me sing and dance. <laughs> if I choose to skip out of beat, let me skip out of beat. But let him use you where you are. Let him work through you. Let him overpower you. Let him overshadow you. Let him give you the work you need to help others. May the Lord have put a blessing to these scriptures we've read. In the name of the Lord Jesus, bless us now. In Jesus' name.